Mobile. Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode number 31-10. <laughs> I, I, I completely forgot. We are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I need a nap. Every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. And um, this week is no exception. Except now this week we are in a new studio space in my house. That is correct. Rob went through all the ring-a-ding dingers. Yeah. Shit moved everything down to another space, ran a bunch of cable McGables, and pretty much just did a lot of stuff. So it's a larger, it's a wider space. So sound might be a little different, but from what I can tell right now, it actually sounds the same. Like it didn't lose any sound quality. Yeah, so far it's pretty good. I'm just gonna put some dampening on the walls. Don't um, put water on the walls. That damages them. <laughs> I'm gonna dampen the walls. No, I'm gonna put this. The, I put some of the sound panels on the walls just to absorb some of the of the uh, the liquid liquid sound. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And but I, what I'm dealing with right now is just like where to put the microphone. It's a whole new desk setup. So. It's and a like, whole and, new world. And like now you're all the way over there. I guess you've always been kind of this distance. It's true. It's all. It's always been a desk apart. A desk apart. A desk apart. A yeah. world of desk. But now apart. you have your own desk. Like you have. A, you have a dedicated Pernell space. I bought this desk because it has Pernell space. I can do programming on here. You, no can't, put, you can't put your legs underneath though, unfortunately. That is true. But I'll make nature finds a way. <laughs> I'll sit side saddle. That's right. That <laughs> is right. right. I'll make it work. If my legs need to stretch, I'll mm. find a way. So yeah, hopefully this microphone isn't too creaky. Like, I don't know what I did to it when I moved it, but anyway, that's all right. So yeah, last week we were going to do a special episode, and then we had a topic all set, and then I was like, I'm never going to get this stuff moved in time. And, um, that's, and so we had to cancel that one. And, and then so, this week we had a special topic. Spoiler, but the same one. The same one, but neither of us like thought about it. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a matter of like, okay, life has been busy. We didn't have the time to choose the tracks, and it was like, okay, we got to choose an episode topic for tomorrow. And it was like, whoop, I think I know what I'm picking. <laughs> so we picked the topic, <laughs> we ran with it. But next week should be that special topic, unless it ends up being the Patreon topic, which is actually was suggested by someone. Reset was it was a Jeff? I think Jeff suggested it. Yeah, it was Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Try Jeff. Try the Try Jeff. I like Try Jeff, and he suggested that we do games. It was uh, it was games that brought friendships together or destroyed them, or as I like to call it, friendship foundations and friendship fissures. The four F's. Oh yeah, I like that. Good use of the word fissure too. Thank you. That's pretty nice. I was digging. Yeah. So if we don't do it next week, it's gonna happen for the for the live streamed episodes. So if you're listening to this, our live streamed episode will be recorded on the last Thursday of this month. The month of March, 2022, and thank the you. The year of our Lord. We accept track suggestions for those up for those live streamed episodes, and if you want to write a little something about it, a little testimonial, we will read them on the air. Oh no 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 no! no. Normally, yeah, but come on, the topic almost begs for testimonials. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah it's kind of necessary. You gotta, you, you gotta like, give us some juice here. I chose the Mario Kart song. And then, like, I'll see myself out. <laughs> it's like, what is it? I mean, everyone hates Mario Kart, but why do you? Why did it ruin your friendship? Um, I, I also I want to plug, again, the VG Embassy uh, with Ed Wilson. I was on his show uh, last month, I guess the last month's episode. And I talked, because we were talking about games that brought friendships together, mm-hmm. I talked about Dance Dance Revolution for three hours. I so still amazed that it could happen. If you want to hear about the history, the evolution, and everything about Dance Dance Revolution, but we're afraid to ask, 
check out that podcast. It's the VGEmbassy.com. It's got Ed Wilson. He is our podcast dad, and he's the best. He's also an ambassador. Um, he is the no, 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 he's not. He's not the ambassador. Who is he? He's the he's, dignitarian. He, he's the prime VGM minister. There it is, <laughs> prime VGM minister, and the guests are the ambassador. I don't know what that makes me. But you're the ambassador. I'm a, am I am an ambassador. You're the ambassador. I feel like I'm just like along for the ride, you know. Well, no, you're representing the country of Didiarpia. Well, if you kick me off the show, I'd be a refugee on his show. Be <laughs> <laughs> a refugee. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, that's. That's a little fun that would be to have in a little podcast world here. If you love video game music, there's a lot of podcasts to check out. Um, I want to also uh, represent Alex the Messenger's podcast. It's called AVGM Journey. I don't think I don't think we, we talk about it enough, especially since like he gives he gives to our Patreons, and I think we need to rep that show because he's getting a lot of listens. And he, well, so he just got an award. Got, I think he got an award in, in Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania, in PA. He got an yeah, award for like um like just like a local like a local hero sort of thing, where it's like this is a prime you know quality podcast that is being aired yeah. by a resident in our city. So it's kind of cool, like yeah. the fact that. VGM podcasting got recognized outside of that sphere. Oh, and and, and another piece of news, and you're going to hear this live. Uh, Pernell, I put us in for a panel at Too Many Games this year. Dun, dun, dun! I'm feeling um, still too anxious to be in public, but you know what? I'm going to go for it. Honestly, for me, I'm like, I, I, I'm confident in my shots. I'm kind of ready to do it. Just got to be confident in your shots. That's really what it is. Like, I... Like, people look at me like I'm weird when they're like, why do you still wear masks at Target? I'm like, simple. I want you to see in my face. Like, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you're tired and you're kind of fighting the yawns? When you're wearing a mask, you don't have to fight anymore. I know. I feel like the world changed and I'm like not ready for it to go back. I don't want it to go back. I don't want it to go All back. All these I'm- people have been fighting for it to go back before we should go back. And I'm, I'm like... I can blame my poor dating life on the mask situation oh, and man. closed up bars. I'm sorry, guys. I can't I can't go out. I'm too worried about things. <laughs> but now you're like... Eh. Sorry, guys. I can't go out. I'm going to stay home and watch Frasier. <laughs> well, actually, he was watching The Simpsons when I showed up, which was funny. I walked up, yeah, right, and his yeah. window was open. And I could see like the scene that was on the TV, and he opens the door. I just like quoted the scene word for word. Like, I saw the scene that yeah, was just I, there. I don't even remember that episode, and you knew it right away. That's right. Yeah, season eight is really good. The episode with John Waters, the homophobia. Oh, that was a great one. It's good. Watching it again, I'm like, ooh. That. It's a little rough. That. A little rough around the edges for Homer. Just for that, you can't get a piece of candy. Okay, that's just me. Maybe a little piece. Maybe a little piece of candy. It's a great episode, honestly. Is that, is that John Waters in the episode? Or is it, it, is it, just John, it is John it Waters. Is him? I love it that. It is John Waters. Zach. Love that man. Okay. Um, so this week, we're... Uh, okay, another another little... like. Also, like my favorite line I got to say, because oh, yeah, yeah. was like, he sits about like Homer's... Like, basically, the whole episode is like is goofy because Homer's dumb, and he's like, my son's going to turn gay because he's yeah. hanging out with a gay man. Which is... I think it all works because like he's so over the top about it. Yes, he is. And every, and every other character in the show is... is, is Except str- for Moe and Barney, but oh, they're equally dopey they're, about it. Yeah, they're equally terrible. But, but like the thing I liked about it was like... Everybody's against him. While he's like afraid of it, he's like, okay, I got to do things to make my son... Manly, and of course, it all backfires. And the usual go to everybody likes to name is the uh, steel mill segment. But for <laughs> me, I think my favorite was always like when he sits about on the freeway in the lawn chair, he's like, stare at that sign 
and in like for like an hour, I'll come back and get you. The sign was just like uh like I got some like a guy like a guy smoking cigarettes or something. No, no, it was it was uh, two two girls in bikinis having a pillow fight, and it says like Laramie Cigarette Slims. <laughs> That's what it was. Now, okay, yeah. and he comes back. He's like, how do you feel? He's like, I don't know. He's like, he's like I kind of feel like I want to smoke. He's like, it's a good start. What do you want? He's like, anything slim. He's like, ah, I failed. Something ridiculous about the fact that it was slim cigarettes that made him go, no, it didn't work. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if there's something about cigarette culture that I don't know about, write into the show. Rhythm and Pixels at Hotmail.com. I don't know. Rhythm, rhythm and Pixels at Marlboro.com. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is that my mom used to smoke Salem lights, and that was the only smoke she would oh. smoke. And conscious, just for to put out there for the show purposely, I hate cigarettes, oh. and Rob gave them up years ago. So yes. we aren't endorsing this garbage yeah. in any way, shape, I will, or form. I will say my, my father did smoke Marlboro Reds. He's no longer with us. Yeah. Cigarettes are bad for you. They're really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. Do not you. smoke. Do not smoke. Do listen to great music. So one of the things that Purnell has been trying to convince me to 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 watch, aside from play Persona 5. Which you did, do past two years is to watch the rest of the show, The Good Place. Yes! Which is one of the greatest television shows... Yes. Ever made! Ever made. Ever made! From four, beginning to end. Four seasons doesn't need any more, doesn't need any less. It was a perfect show. It's a rarity. Ted Danson. <laughs> that brought... Fun fact, by the way, that show actually brought Ted, ben, Ted Danson back. He's like a, he's an old like he's like in his seventies. He looks amazing. Yeah, like amazing. I'm not sure if he had like any work that was happening since like the nineties or whatever. But what I do know is he was in obscurity town, and the good place put him back in the spotlight. Like people were like, "Wait a minute, Ted Danza can still work, and he's good." Yeah, and he is really good. Um, it's and honestly, if you guys are have any thoughts, because it's an interesting, just general like get to know our listeners thing too. If you could think of any other quote unquote. <laughs> If you can think of any other perfect TV no, shows. No, no, no. Get comfortable. Get comfortable. But just take it with you. <laughs> just bring it along. We're talking need, about the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Just like just just get in the habit of just taking the microphone with you. But like uh the idea being that if you can think of a show that you consider to be perfect, I mean, as perfect as a TV show can get, mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah. And keep in mind that by the way I'm phrasing that, it means it has it's setting a really high bar, not just I like the show. I mean you can't think of a single fault at all. Because that's the good place. Yeah, that is the good place. So we're not going to get into all of the details of the show because two guys spouting off like the, the plot of a TV show, not the most interesting thing in the world. Uh, we have characters who have died and they've gone to the afterlife and there's a good place and a bad place. Mm-hmm. The characters, of course, are very, very flawed and they don't belong in the good place. No, only one of them doesn't belong in the good place. <coughs> anyway... <laughs> Only one doesn't belong in the good place. Well, so they are they're all they're all they all believe that they don't belong there. So they're all trying to be better so that they will eventually belong there. That's the first season and that's just eventually how it goes and it gets very very existential and lots of philosophy like talk and it, it's really silly and really funny. Um, so I thought or Professor Purnell thought this week we would do games that belong in the good place. Yes. So what does that mean to you? So in the context of how I'm doing this episode, I was thinking not so much, you know, games that quote unquote belong because at the end of the day, it's the good place. Every game I want is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I took it in a sense of saying, what are games that I'd be most anticipating or looking forward to having access to there 
because of qualities that only the good place could provide. Mm. So, for example, so this isn't like this isn't like a, a desert island situation. Exactly, because in, Cause, in cause the was, good place, everything's available. Because that's why I went a little different. Uh-huh. So, so I, like, because I thought like it's just desert island games. We could do desert island games. That's fine. Yeah, that's uh, a little harder, honestly, than the good place games. Well, well for you, obviously. yeah. But I mean, like for for me, who doesn't play a lot of games, like, I can, <laughs> he's I, like, I know what I want. Yeah, yeah. Put me on the island with Tetris. I'll be fine for eternity. <laughs> that's okay. But yeah, so I thought not just the games that I would want. Oh, tell, tell, explain me. So these are the games that it's not desert island games. It's not. They're not desert island games. These are games that would improve. Well, in the good place, it's a medley. It's a mixture. So the way the best way to describe this is. What are things that are generally lacking in gaming in life? Uh, time, c- co-players, mm. and money. The three things that limit access to games in the in the living world. Um, but in the good place, I'd have access to all those things, which means oh. what are games that I would be looking forward to playing when those walls are no acts <laughs> there, no concern to me. If you had a million Jeremy Baramies That's right. <laughs> to play a game. Then, like, what would you do with it? That oh, is right. I love that. So I chose composers that I thought that belonged in the good place. Nice. They didn't eat any tomato. They didn't eat any Chick-fil-A sandwiches. These, these are composers that earned enough points. Yes. To get up there. I love that line from the show. It's so good. And, and, <laughs> this, is, this is a weird show. And these, these are, these are and, and by points, I mean, like, you know, their breadth of work, you know. Yes. I don't know enough about their. It's the little the, in the show. The literal context they're referred to as points. So. And, and, and honestly, I just went to their wiki and just did a, a, a search, a word search for the word controversy. <laughs> he tried to do a surface level, like, like, Making like sure no one's check. got any skeletons in there. No, it's fine. Surface level background checks. Because honestly, the big joke I had when you kind of mentioned, like, oh, yeah, I think I want to do composers. Like, I'm waiting for you to name, like, three people. And then we'll go put the episode on. Someone's like, you know, actually, Hip Tanaka. <laughs> like, no, oh, he's my hero. You know, Tim Fallon killed, like, four people. <laughs> like, no, he's my he's B- a terrible hero. Person. He, you hear how he talks about women? I'm like, oh, my God. No! I love doing? Tim Fallon. I hereby resign you know. from the podcast. All right, so this is an even-numbered episode. I'm going to start off the show with um, someone who earned so many points from a single game that even if he lost a billion points (laughs) in the future, it wouldn't matter. That's Yasunori Mitsuda composing for Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo. Even if he ate an outsourced tomato? Even even if he ate four outsourced tomatoes and five, like, almond milk lattes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a stretch. It is totally fine. His music for Chrono Trigger, I mean, he just about killed himself making the soundtrack. So um, I think this earns his place in the good place. We're going to listen to Peaceful Days because I think it's a beautiful song. It's early in the game, and I love it. So this is Peaceful Days from Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda.
You're listening to Peaceful Days from Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo, composed by a good place celebrity, <laughs> Yasunori Mitsuda. And, oh man, I, I even love how before the track resolves and goes back into the loop, that it repeats that last little phrase. Like, it's just like these, these little details and touches that show that like he's not composing just for a game, like he's composing for a bigger story. Like almost like a, like a feeling, yeah, like for a feeling. I like, really, really like that. And it's interesting because, like, you mentioned this track, and I started humming the track immediately. It's like, wait, you know this? I'm like, yes, this is iconic. Like the Chrono Trigger OST sticks with you for days. Yeah, well, I mean, years, I mean, a lifetime, really. Well, I mean, it does. Absolutely, it does. But if I, if I, if you said uh, a track title, I may not recognize it right away just based on the title. Oh, that's true. You I knew the title. Eh, like it's it just hits. It just Chrono Trigger just hits differently. It does. And we were talking about it on the break, but I, I've always liked how this track comes at the beginning of the game because most there was a fair number of JRPGs, let's be realistic, where the hero's at bed and he wakes <laughs> up in the morning either his mom says, come down for breakfast or you sleep under a tree. <laughs> come down and do some battles! <laughs> um, but like, essentially, like you're just being brought into the day. But in this game, it just feels wonderful. Like The, the sun actually comes in the wind, uh, into the window. Oh. You know, you jump out of bed. Feels right. Yes. It feels good. And you're actually not going off on a weird adventure. You're just going to the fair. And this music is playing as you're out before you get to the fair. It just feels nice. It feels like a... It doesn't even feel like the start of an adventure. It's still like the start of your day. (laughs) That's how it should be, you know? The adventure doesn't start when you got out of bed. It starts when the weird thing happens. (laughs) Well, yeah, the weird thing happens after you get out of bed. But it's important. I think it tells... It's a good... It's a good... uh, it's It's just like... It's telling you, like... It's a good thing to get out of bed because your adventure won't start until you get out of bed. That is true. If you stay in bed, you'll never you'll never have your adventure. I kind of want the game to be where you get to choose to get out of bed, and if you say no, it actually starts an entire second timeline oh. where what happens if you didn't wake up for the special event that triggered the adventure. No, that's oh, that's a Wario game on the Game Boy, I think. Really? Or Nintendo, yeah, where like you're sleeping in your house and the alarm goes off, and. You hit the and, and then if, if if you wake up you, you press a button he jumps out of bed and there's like pirates like attacking his like house mm-hmm. but what you could do is just not press any buttons and the pirates like just go past you <laughs> and there's a whole other level apparently there's like there's like it's um Wario uh, War- it's about Wario Land and Super Mario Brothers three because that's what it's got that was the one that involved the syrup pirates but it was an NES or it was on it was one of the early ones NES ones the the first Wario Land the though? first Wario one. Yeah, that was the Game Boy. It was Wario Land, Super yeah. Mario Land That's, 3. Yeah. And he's dealing with the Syrup Pirates, who are probably yeah. they're stealing their money. Yeah, that was it. It was Super Mario Land 3? Mm-hmm. Because uh, that was before Wario was, like, fully established. Because, you know, uh, Mario Land 2, Wario was the anti-Mario. Yes. But then in Wario Land, they were like, well, we want to give him his own game, but we don't feel confident enough in the Wario character to just call it Wario Land. So they had to give it the Mario Land tagline. It succeeded, so then the next one was just Wario Land 2. Oh, okay. So... So he's he's just like kind of the evil version of Mario because his M is upside down. Literally it. Yes. That was how he was created. He was just supposed to be evil Mario who took his castle because apparently Mario had a castle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean he had a ton of castles. No, he well he never stole the castle. He just killed, he kicked Bowser out of them and then let the deed go unused. But he he raised his flag on every single one. That is <laughs> I true. Mean, like that is like he's saying that's my that was like Mario meets Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I like that. 
He has to pay Bowser rent. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Who even owned the castles? Because they didn't even belong to Bowser. Bowser no, only no, had the big castle. They were Mushroom, Mushroom Kingdom castles, so they were owned by Mushroom people, right? He was liberating them, I guess? I don't know. It's I think, I mean, I guess so, because then, like, they're all excited, and that's why they uh, they shoot fireworks. But the thing is, like, who's excited? They only shoot the fireworks if you hit the timer. If you don't do the timer right, there are no fireworks. No one cares that you got to that castle. No one cares if you liberate the toads unless, unless it's on time. Pretty much. It's specifically on time. On time. And then the only time you get any actual notification of an event <laughs> is when you get to the last castle, kick Bowser out, and it's like, that princess isn't a princess. She's a retainer. Go find the real princess somewhere else. It's like, well, those other castles are just there for show. <laughs> I don't know. I got some Mario stories later um, on the show, but like... I, I there's a Wario game on the Virtual Boy mm-hmm. that's like awesome that's the one I never got to play really cool if you could play it if anyone could play that game I feel like at this for point for longer than like 20 minutes there's probably a Virtual Boy emulator because when you really laid on the table that device was not necessary yeah. it was a gimmick um, host of Retronauts Jeremy Parrish has a whole series on YouTube called like it's called like Nintendo Works and Game Boy Works and he did a whole Virtual Boy series mm-hmm. like on almost every game and he has like he just he has some kind of emulator that like I think projects it in black and white, or he's just capturing it some way that I think you can emulate it and, and still play it. Because the only games I want to play on there that I can recall, so it's a it's a is, powerful system. It's, it's just a terrible display. Like was it? There's Mario, the Wario Land game, Mario Clash, Mario Tennis, and Panic Bomber. Those yeah. are the only games I can think of that I want to play on the Virtual Boy at some point in my life. Wait, what about that one? The um, about the the the, the Mega Ten game? There's a Shimagami Tensei game. Jack, oh yeah, Jack Brothers. Jack Brothers. I forgot that was on Virtual Boy. Yeah, man. Good catch, Rob. Yeah, I want to play that too. Yeah, we'll find it. We'll find it, and we'll play it on a television. That doesn't hurt our eyes. <laughs> My poor eyes. But if you're missing the authentic experience, no, then I will just punch you in the <laughs> eyes. <laughs> no one should miss the authentic Virtual <laughs> Boy experience. Okay, uh, terrible experience. Okay, so what's your first game that 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 you will play in the good place? Well, I don't want to say the first game I'll play there because I want this first game to be a why would you choose this? Oh, okay. So, so first game I'm going to pick is Genshin Impact. What? And yeah, I know. Right? Right? Are you... Are you well, you, got, you tell me. You tell me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's just this is like a, an i this is an iPhone game. This is a phone game. Well, not exactly. I think it's got like some actual like console applications yeah, there, too. Yeah, there's some PC stuff. Yeah. But this comes from the City of Winds and Ideals album, and it is called... Silhouette and Silk Steps, composed by Yu Ping Chin. Thank you. 
Sausage meat and a rat. A foot of cheese. <laughs> Just a smokestack cheese block. Um, this is Silhouette and Silk Steps from Genshin Impact, the City of Winds and Ideals album, which is just an album of one of the many containing tracks from this game, composed by Yu Ping Chin. Now, anybody who knows me at this point is probably thinking, why in the world would Pernell? What Genshin Impact? I guess in the good place. Take a guess. Social aspect, because so many people play this game, and there's a huge community around it, right? Partially, Maybe? yes. Okay. Actually, you're on to something. My oh, am I? Am I selling something different? Sounds like the Silk Stockings like jingle is giving <laughs> you some detective skills there. So a clarinet is so good. Right? <laughs> Can we just talk about the clarinet? It's really good music. That's a good clarinet. Like so, like why this game? So hmm. well. Things I know about Genshin Impact. The OST is ridiculously good. It's a really good OST. There's a lot of good music, yeah. Two, yeah. like Rob said, it's extremely popular. A lot of people play it. Um, large player base. Um, three, gameplay has been compared heavily to games like Breath of the Wild, but with more of an action vibe going for it and a variety of characters. But it is total gotcha gameplaying, and there's a lot of like paying money to get characters and mess. And I have never been a gotcha guy. I don't like gotcha games. I try to avoid them, even if they have good gameplay loops. Every once in a while, I'll bite, but generally, I try to avoid them, especially if they try to mask it with the potential for a time sink. So, good place would provide me with the means to just say, I don't need to take time to unlock characters. I'll just drop the infinite amounts of money, or even better, they'll just be unlocked because it's the good place. There's no need to lock things behind financial gates anymore. Oh. And that's, that's the paradox, then. This game would mean nothing to anybody. That's right. You would just choose the character you want, play it to your heart's content, and put it down when you're done. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about grinding out for characters. I can just like, I like the character with the dual-wielding blades because they're cool, and I can choose them right now, and I'll enjoy access to this character. Yeah. So it's like, and it kind of goes, I, pro- I bet there's a lot of gotcha games I would probably be content with in the good place if they remove the time sink element and the money spending element. But by that same token, the games probably wouldn't last as long. Yeah, <laughs> Which I don't have to take time until. Yeah, because the game is the gotcha. Is the game is, is putting in the money to get the new characters to, oh, to get a pack of cards, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at least with this game, yeah, this is one of the few games where there is a full game behind the character, too. It's not just... Once you get the character, that's it. You hit, him, hit three enemies with him and go, I experienced this guy. Time oh, to okay. move on. Okay. You know, because... Because trust me, I thought about that too. Because there's a, there's been a number like like there's like a Secret of Mana or rather Mana series gotcha game coming out where I was like, oh screw that. <laughs> um, I was recently talking about Final Fantasy, all the bravest recently, which in turn also got me thinking about Final Fantasy Record Keeper. And as you right remember, that was the one time where I was like knee deep in gotcha. Like I love this game, but I hate the fact that I like it because they just want me to keep unlocking new skin characters. Yeah. Stupid. So I got off a of Record Keeper. And, oh, right, there was that other one, too, the freaking Cartoon Network Matchlane. That's different, though. I, I th- it's different enough. It's definitely got the the trappings of, like, the, the phone game stuff, but I feel like it was Final Fantasy Record Keeper that, like, just distilled it down to, 
Here's those things you like. You can only unlock it this week. Yeah, I played. I played. What's it called? Something Zevious, like Final Fantasy's. Oh, Exvius, Brave Exvius. Yeah, Zephius. <laughs> it's Brave Exvius. And I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like a Final Fantasy type game with all these weird things, but it was just, it just wasn't interesting enough for me to like kind of keep going with it. Because it make you think it's interesting at first, and then you get out of that first or second dungeon, it's like, hey, time for the gotcha. Well, I was expecting like uh, strategy, strategy elements to the combat and stuff like that. It just really wasn't there. It wasn't. It was big numbers. Yeah, just big numbers, essentially. This is a good pick. Thank you. Thank yeah, I'm not, not a Purnell, like, not exactly a Purnell track. You'd be surprised what Purnell tracks can be. You, you like a like a very diverse type of set of music. Actually, on the VG Embassy, when we were, I was talking with Ed on the show, I talked about how your musical tastes really were heavily influenced by pop and music. Yes, and by guitar freaks. Mm-hmm. Like you, yes, you said correct. You remembered, and so and, and so you just have this huge <laughs> amount of like there's a there's a, just like a, a diverse group of music that you just like. Mm-hmm. Like it goes all over the place, and there's some things that you like more than others. I think that you gravitate towards too anyway. But you oh, like sure. so much. Yeah, like where if you were to say Pernell likes that song, like it's like I see. I feel like one day I'm just gonna make like a list of like Pernell would like this track from Poppin' Music listings. That would be a whole episode like weird yeah. tracks from Poppin'. But like I think one of my favorite games about that things that we used to do with that game is like they the game had a bunch of songs in, it, just like how DDR and all would have them. But even though the songs had titles and the like. The game was predominantly in Japanese, so sometimes you couldn't oh, even yeah. read the song titles. But what you generally could read was the genre of music the song was under, yeah, and they, that's how they, they listed them on the song. Yeah, reading. yeah, which is like it's funny. I felt like they were creating these categories to group them, but mm-hmm. every song had like its own crazy genre they just came up with. And the, that's where yeah. it got cool though, because it became a weird game where it's like, is this a real genre or a genre they made up for popular music? Like there was one called Choco Pop. Choco Pop. And that. Philly Soul. <laughs> Philly Soul. Like, Philly Soul's a real genre. Choco Pop is not. Twee Pop, that's what I learned what Twee Pop was. And turned out it's a real genre. Yeah. And I fell in love with Twee Pop. I was like, this is amazing. A genre called Cuddlecore, which is also <laughs> a real genre. Real genre. But, like, I loved this, had that whole guessing game of, is this a real genre of music or not? So, ah, I love me some pop music. Well, we're going to move on to our next resident of the good place Hirokazu Tanaka and this is his early works he belongs yeah yeah, he absolutely belongs early works but not on the NES but on the Game Boy Super Mario Land oh we were so oh there it is that's right this is where it says I love this music it's this I didn't even own this game I think I borrowed it from someone in school when I was a kid but like the music is so catchy it's it's unlike are you talking about the first Mario Land oh yeah Oh yes. I hope you're talking about the first world's theme, like doo doo boo 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 boo. No, no, no. We're listening to two one and two two, composed by Hirokazu Tanaka for Super Mario Land. Thank you. 
to Worlds 2-1 and 2-2 from the game Mar- Super Mario Land for the Nintendo Game Boy, composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. Yeah, and this game was very, very different from other Mario games. Yes, it was. It, and it actually, to this day, there are things from that game that never came out of it. To this day. Never, oh, it never came back It out never of came yeah, back yeah, after yeah. Mario Land. There's a, the, the Fire Flower, which actually was like a weird, like... Bouncy ball. That's why I wanted to confirm I had the name right for because I before I messed it up. It was actually the Super Bowl. So, Super Bowl, that's what it was. But the thing about it is like it was like it's weird because I remember playing it when I got the original game. And I had the manual, but I'd be honest, I'd scroll through and walked away. But I always just thought of it as the Firefly. But even if you didn't read the manual or anything and you just played the game, it did not act like a fireball. Like the it actually acted like a bull. Yeah, they they were trying a bunch of different stuff. So this was Nintendo's R and D one studio. They had like R and D one, R and D two, and they would work on different things at the same time. And Gunpei Yokoi, the creator of the Game Boy and the Virtual Boy, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, helped develop this game with Hip Hirokazu Hip Tanaka on the music. And I just I have fond memories of this game, despite the fact that I also had general complaints. But at the time it came out, it was a small potato because at the time it was like Mario on the go. That's what you cared about. Yeah, but, I mean that I was that was first of all having Mario on a handheld was like a huge deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't believe that they would shrink down a Mario game onto that screen. I was like, what's it going to look like? Is Mario going to take up like half the screen? Nope. It just became really hard imprecise to make specific jump judgments. Yeah, it was very, very difficult. Still really, really good. And also because it was that whole, like they were were experimenting with new ideas. Like every other, like every like three or four stages was like a different like shooter type stage. Yeah. Like in a submarine or in a plane. They were doing all sorts of interesting stuff. And the boss was Tatanga the alien, and he never came back, and he was saving Princess Daisy in the Sahasara Kingdom, which did come back. That's where Daisy came from, folks. Um, She came from this game, and I probably got the name of the kingdom well wrong, but it was something like the Sahasara Land or something like that. Um, But it was... It's interesting because, like, back in the day, I would make that trivia statement. People like, what are you talking about? Was the Mushroom Kingdom? like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Princess Toadstool. It was Princess Daisy. He was saving her from an alien, right. and it was this cool thing. And then, like, they brought her back for the first time officially on Mario Tennis, so she'd be a partner for Daisy and Doubles, or partner for Peach and Doubles. Is that no? But Daisy was back in Mario Golf, also, right? Yeah, but she originally came back. I, I have to double check, but I want to say it was she was on tennis first. Oh wow! And then Mario Golf. But I have to double check because now I'm curious. But I believe <laughs> she was put in there to be. Peach's doubles partner, and Waluigi was created to be Wario's doubles partner. I love that. Like Bowser goes into these people's kingdoms, where there's a, a female, like monarch, monarch who is uh, lording over all of these weird mushroom people. Or is it patriarch? No, ma- uh, matriarch. Matriarch. <laughs> we'll call her the queen or the princess, right? Yeah. The monarchy over all of the Mushroom Kingdom, all these weird little toadstool mushroom people, right? Uh-huh. And then Bowser comes through and is like, I want to, t- I, I'm going to take over all of these areas. And then the Mario, a plumber, or out of nowhere is like, I'm going to save these people. Maybe save the princess, maybe just to save the mushroom people, maybe just to fix the pipes. We don't know, but he's working at it, right? And then after he saves all of these kingdoms, everyone's like, what are we going to do? It's the, what, we want to take up tennis? We want to take up golf? They all they all retire. That's what I'm saying. Is they yeah. all they, they get saved and they retire. I mean, it makes 
when you lay it on the table, though, it makes total sense. I mean, two things. One, it never made sense that Bowser would want to steal the kingdom in the first place. Because, yo, congratulations, now you own two. You run two kingdoms. You poorly run one of them. Now you want to poorly run two? What's the Where's the value in this oh, yeah, guy? Congratulations, now you got another kingdom. You got another kingdom to screw up. Um, but then after that, the other part is like, yeah, they really should have lives outside of the adventure. Like, there's this entire world that they live in. Yeah. And... Once the kingdom is saved, it's like, what else are they going to do? There's no other adventures to have. Yeah. Until Bowser wants to be a jerk again, let's go have some fun. But there's all these mushroom people, right? Then where did these women come from? These human women. None of it ever made sense. That was even a point before Toadette where, they, where the claim was that the mushroom males were the, were the mushroom kingdom males were the mushroom people and the mushroom kingdom women were the princesses and queens, but they were such a rarity okay. that that's why they were mon- they were actually royalty. Oh, they they were like, oh, you look strange, like a human, so you will be the queen. You're the queen. Uh, you're the queen. Like once every mushroom. like hundred years, a woman is born into the mushroom kingdom, and you're like, well, how are they? How are they born at all? Like, well, they're fungi. This is this, just. Yeah. Wow, this conversation went into a weird place. <laughs> That's the show. That's literally the show. <laughs> okay, what's your next track? All right, so funny that you mentioned the game on the last dialogue because my next track actually comes from the game Pop and Music 20. Oh, I love it. Um, this track is titled How Low, and it is composed by Makino. <laughs> to How Low from the game Pop and Music 20 Fantasia composed by Makino Mitsuda. So, just for the coverage of what we were talking about earlier, the genre, quote-unquote, of this song in the game is upper pop. I don't know if that's real or not. No, I doubt it. They just come up with this stuff, man. (laughs) Upper pop. Um, So, why would this be on the list? Well, one, I love pop music. That goes without saying. I love pop about as much as Rob loves DDR. Um, Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, unlike DDR, there's a harder, there's a larger wall of entry to play later pop music games because at one point you could import them from Japan and play them on Japanese PlayStation One and eventually the Japanese PlayStation Two. 
And then they started trying to release them on the friggin' PSP, which was like the dumbest idea. But I digress. Um, it ultimately became really tough to get access to the game legitimately. You can emulate them if you know people can like crack the actual game files and set them up for yeah, you. Yeah, those are, that's those a are lie. hard to find. Yeah, it's a lie. Um, so what ended up happening was over time, I started losing access to playing these games. And how much did Perno like these games? Well, I actually imported one of the limited edition controllers back in the day. Yeah. It was like $600, I, and I made very little money at the time. I didn't care. <laughs> I I can say that you probably could still probably make that money back if you sold it to that. I probably could. Yeah. People still want it. People still want those. The, the tiny little, little finger controllers. Which they, I also have. They still go for a lot of money. And I mean, honestly, like if I could get access, like good access to a pop and sub today, I would. But if I had access to this in the good place, I'd have pop and music with all the music, including the tracks I've missed. So it wouldn't just be one version. It wouldn't be pop and 20, it'd be pop and everything. Yeah. And I could play all the music to my heart's content. And as far as why I picked this song, this is like probably one of the first times where it was a popping game that I had no access to, but I really wanted to play a song in it. And it was this song, and then it was at MAGFest one year. This machine was at MAGFest. So I went to MAGFest for the popping for the Pokéthon, the Pokémon Bimani. I get the titles wrong. I'm tired. I'm old. <laughs> um, the Pokémon Championship that they have at MAGFest. Right, right. And I'm, I represent Steel Gym Leader there. Um, but when I was off my shift... And I could get into the machine when there was no one playing, so I had to wait till all the long lines were gone. So we're talking two, three in the morning. Oh my god! I'm in that arcade, determined to beat this song on hyper difficulty. <laughs> Keeping in mind, I hadn't played pop music in years, so I was extremely rusty, but I still had a love of the game. So I was getting the muscle memory back. It was like reteaching myself how to play this game, spreading your fingers just the right way to hit the button combinations and stuff. And I was determined, like. I just kept rotating back to the machine when someone came like, okay, fine, you're done, get back going. And I was so excited when I beat this level 31 hyper track. Yeah. And apparently now it's rated a 37, which means, yes, I'm those, still oh, re-rated. They re-rated yeah, it got rated sense. higher. Um, but I beat this track and lost my ever-loving mind in the arc. I was like, yes, I did it. I'll never get to that, play it that, again, that, but that, I did it. That feeling is why we still play rhythm games. Yes, it's that, it's because it's, it's it's consistent and slow improvement. Mm-hmm. Where like it's like weightlifting. You don't know you're getting better until one day you do something you've never done before. I'd be legitimately and afraid and if I can weightlift to the rhythm because I feel like I'd break something. <laughs> oh yeah, you shouldn't weightlift to rhythm. That's a bad idea. Do not because uh, like that's no. another element to why music games work. Because like it's not just the improvement part though. That's a big part of it. Think about why you play songs that you've already mastered. Right, you play them because. You like moving to that rhythm. Yeah. Even if you have no good. room to grow, yeah. you just like moving to the beat of the song. And sometimes, if you don't do as well as you want, you also kind of don't care because you're like, I still had fun. As long as I didn't fail the song, that's what matters. Yeah. And then you come back and do it again and again and again. And that's ultimately why there's like a pop in 30 and there's like a DDR gajillion Evan Holy. and Beat Mania 32 or yeah. whatever because DDR, they never stopped. DDR A3 just came out. Yeah, like they're, they are literally games that never have to stop. I will say, beyond outside of sports games, they are easily true, the yeah. most easy to recycle concepts out there because all you have to do is give them new music, new beat patterns to play to, and they are infinite playability. Yeah, I never thought about that. That like there really are so much like like a sports game where every year there's something. It's like there's new teams, but in this game it's new songs. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say 
that. Oh, when was the last time you played poppin' music? What, um, what? probably Mag 2019. Oh wow! So it's been three years mm-hmm. since you played it all together. Yes. All right, everybody, take the bet. Take the bet. Um, as far as playing all together, I had a nostalgia hit back in like when COVID first kicked up big time, maybe like mid 2020. And I broke out the Konami ASC popping controller and popping music 14 on the PlayStation 2 and played a few sets of that. I'm sure my neighbor hated me. I know those, those buttons are big and they are loud. But I was thinking like, so you're, you're, I mean, it's, I think it's fair to say that you're, that you're taller than the average like Japanese. Oh, you've person. seen me play that machine. You know how it looks. And so those machines are, are, are kind of short. Like the Beat Me Indian machines are also short. The popping music machines are pretty short. But like your hands. Like you have very large hands, very long fingers, and I feel like, like you're, you're you are designed, you are built to be the perfect pop and playing person because you can hit like five, ten buttons at one time. If I was coordinated enough, because to put some concept perspective on like or con- conceptualize what popping is. So the original popping music game was released with the idea of let's play music together. And there's these giant buttons, nine buttons that are displayed like a piano chord um, on the screen. Button notes fall down, hit the note when it gets to the bottom of the screen. This was designed to be played with two or more people. Not one person. It was meant to be played with your friends. But people naturally got better at the game. And they started being like, I can play this by myself. I don't need friends for this. So they started adding new difficulty. One day it was like, we have hyper difficulty names. So now it's the same songs with a few more notes. And people like... I don't need my friends for this. I'm just going to do it alone. And I have fond memories of like playing pop music too back at like KatsuCon back in like 2000, like two, the year 2000. And uh, we did Classic 2 Hyper with four people on Dreamcast controllers. And it took all four of us to beat the song at the time. <laughs> Fast forward to the present or heck, even like 2004, People were doing that alone. Yeah. Like, they didn't yeah. need other friends anymore. So they just kept making the songs harder and harder and harder. And now they're just like sensory explosions. It's that long, consistent improvement of any rhythm game. People will always find a new threshold. Like, remember you had a tournament in Baltimore years ago, and you were like, hey, Perna, you want to ride down with me? I was like, sure. It's one of your stamina cons. Oh, yeah. That was, that was the last stamina con because then COVID wrecked it all. So now I think about that was probably the last time I played in an arcade because when we got down there, apparently yeah. they had like Tokyo <laughs> Attack that yeah, set up all their right. machines there. So they had popping machines. That was amazing. And I was like, oh my God, I can play popping. So I'm I, playing it. And it's like one random person shows up and she picks like a level 42, which that's like one of the highest difficulties in the game. And she just like effortlessly just like destroys the song. And I'm watching her fingers. And I'm like, how, how are you able to real? How can you conceptually make sense <laughs> yeah, of what's happening yeah, yeah. right now? Um, can't yeah. do it. That was an amazing thing. I was, I, I'm like such a, I'm, I'm more, I'm such a part of that community now that like I kind of, I wish they would do it again just so I could meet these They're people. They're probably going person. to. As this whole thing's starting to shift more, I hope more so. events are opening. If the more people become comfortable with opening events, the smaller ones will start coming back to yeah, the, uh, the East Coast Stamina tournaments. Were generally they were always like in a mall or something like that. They would just have like two machines set up. But this, this, that was the first year they were like, let's just like, like get a hotel, put like ten setups in it. It was funny too because it was like a nightclub above it. 
Oh yeah, there was a, there was a comedy club, and then there was um, well, actually one of the uh, the DJs who actually mixes a lot of the music for the stamina content. Mm-hmm. He flew in from France Ooh. and like DJed like two nights in a row. <laughs> so he got some work while he was yeah, doing the he's show. He's really good. He's really really good. That's one of Rems. Um, but yeah, so I, I hope they do it again this year. I'm really looking forward to it. They're being really really careful about about everything, and also like now they're really really good about how it all works remotely before it wasn't at all possible. Yeah, but you know how it goes with this stuff. Even if they're good at doing it remotely, there's a community element that got lost. No oh matter how you people slice it, they're going to want it back. All over the world to go to this thing. Yeah. And they want it, it used to be in Harrisburg. That's where it used to be. Yeah, it's, it's better to have it closer to the coast. I, I think so. But like, people, it's going to come back and people are going to enjoy it. They're going to they're gonna love that community thrive again. Just got to give it a little bit of time to simmer. But before we transfer to the next track, I'm just going to say anybody who's like, Hearing me talk about pop and music, I'm like what the heck are you talking about? I'm just gonna say, look up some videos of people playing the game, and just like, honestly, I'm saying it, and I even being a weirdo, but marvel at how the people who are really good at this game just play these songs because, my God, it's, yeah, it's I can't even. Fathom. It is like playing piano. It is it is like playing an instrument, but the buttons are so big and far fall apart, far apart. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, pop and music, pop and music. Are my last track. It's really like when I first started thinking about games, it was like composers that should be in a good place. This is a game that deserves to be in a good place. Games that did no wrong. <laughs> start game to hurt nobody. Start to finish. It was innovative. It was fun. It sounded great. This game did not leave a wet floor sign out in the open for people just to slip around and fall. This game came out in like 96, 97. And today, people still want games to feel this good. Mega Man X. The first one. The first Mega Man X. Good call. Super Nintendo. We're going to listen to Chill Penguin on the Super Nintendo, composed by, um, I, there's, a, there's a bunch of composers. We don't know which one. I don't know which one who did what, but it's Tetsuo, Yamamoto, Makoto, Tomozawa, Yuki, Iwai, Yuko, Takahara, and Toshiko Horiyama, rocking out to the Chill Penguin. to the Chill Penguin from Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo, composed by Setsuo Yamamoto, Makoto Tomozawa, Yuki Iwai, Yuko Takahara, and Toshihiko Horiyama. I love this song. This oh, is one. This is one of my favorites from the game. The OST in Mega Man X was an outright gem. I think my favorite in the game was generally, most likely, Flame Mammoth. 
It, that's a very, very good song. There's a lot of good songs, but I, I like this one because it's got like some really cool pitch bending. There's a lot of interesting the bass that the bass kind of like I love that sound. It sounds and, really good. And I like that you pick this this track from this game because your terminology and how you described it, I felt is a perfect way to represent what Mega Man X did for 2D platformers. Yeah. The um the the way the, the speed at which he moved, the jumping, the action, and even the wall jumping. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like when you play a platformer, a modern platformer that has like wall jumping and stuff in it, they they want to feel like this. Yes. Like I don't know what it is about like not just the motion but the animation in which it does it, like the way you time it, it feels so fluid and so natural. I'll go one step further. I will say that Mega Man X pioneered the way people hold controllers. So oh, yeah. You think of it like this, right? Mega Man X gameplay wise, the mechanics where you could walk, you could jump, you could shoot, you could charge your shot. Once you got the boots, you could dash. Yeah. And you can wall jump. So when you start combining all these mechanisms together, you want to do it in the way that bet feels best for the character. So what would usually happen is you have so let me see, get this right, because I always screw up with the buttons from Nintendo. It's like X, Y, A, B. So, no, no, A was the other side. So it's A, B, X, Y. Yeah. So you would end up holding down the Y button to hold to constantly be charging your gun. But if you want to jump, or rather, yeah, if you want to dash and jump while you're doing that, you got to jump using the B button, which is below the Y button. So you have the top of your thumb holding down Y, and you bend your thumb to hit B, while not letting go. Yeah. That's the first game. And if I'm wrong, closest one would be like maybe Mario World. But this is the first game where that, that motion stuck with me, where I had to constantly be holding down this button oh, man. I'll to be do honest. this thing. I played this game so late that I probably like did an overhand motion where instead of using my thumb, I had put my fingers on top of the controller, put my palm on top of the controller. Wow. Right hand. Palm and then use my index fingers. That would be hard for me to do because, like the because the because well, you, you already have the muscle memory. Oh, you're good. Good point. I never learned it. Yeah, because this game like it becomes so frenetic. It's the constant dashing and hopping off yeah. the wall, especially in levels like in Mega Man X2 where they have the flame stag and you're running up the, from the volcano. Oh and You got to yeah. constantly move. It's it just I it revolutionized 2D platformers and like you said. Games have been chasing this high ever since. Ever since. Ever since. I think so. What is it, like 30XX is coming out? They're still in beta right now, but that's meant to be a sequel to 20XX. Yeah, and it's just like, hey, you like the Mega Man X? Have some more. Have some more. Have some more in a roguelike. And you know what bugs me about these games, though, in its own right? First thing I'm asked before I go into it, what Mega Man X games have you played? One, two... And I didn't finish three, half of three. Okay, so that's good. That that works. You play one, two, and three. So of the Super Nintendo games. Yeah, that's, that's all. I, I haven't played anything past that's, that. That's fine. Yeah. That's all you need for this this statement, though. It carries over to all of them, really. Like we just discussed, how Mega Man X One kind of nailed like the motion structure. And at that time, the only flaw, and this is a small flaw that I had for Mega Man X One, is that I felt like the dash was a major component. But you had to have the boots to do it, which means I always uh, had, felt like I had to go to Chill Penguin first okay. to get those boots. Yeah. So, Streets of Rage two, or is it three? I think it was two. Was kind of like that too, where there's the guy on the skate. Mm-hmm. He he could dash. No one else could. And like, why would you pick any other character? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like you would want to dash every time. It feels too good to do it. It really does. Cause like they can run. Like I knew Blaze could run, but her run was not his dash. And no. his uh, his dive attack was like a cannonball. Exactly. So then like 
now I think about every beat em up that I like has a like a, like a double tap dash kind of move, you know, something to move quickly. And if it doesn't, it's a complaint. Like, what was it? There was a game that just came out this week called Dawn of the Monsters. It's a kaiju beat em up. Oh. And, like, my biggest complaint about it, even though I was like, I know kaiju is all about being slow and lumbering and just forceful punches, but I want to run. <laughs> I can't run. Hurts the game for me. I want motion, baby. Um, but like Mega Man X nailed all these things. But then with Mega Man X 2, they made one move that was great. They said, hey, we realize that the dash is an important component. We don't need the boots to dash anymore. You can dash from the start. Now the boots give you the air dash. So it feels like an upgrade to what you can already do. But then they added those like Mega Man killers, the X Hunters. Yes. And to me, while it seemed cool when it first came out, on subsequent replays, I feel like that hurt the game. Because the other component that people generally like about Mega Man games, X and regular, is that feeling to say, I can go to wherever level I want and just play the level and have fun with it. But now they have these random bosses that would just eventually start showing up <laughs> and ruin the flow of what you're trying to do. And they only went further with that in future games. Yeah, maybe it was because to their to their you know their argument is like it makes more challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some good parts though, too. Like, if you were to say, "Perno, why do you like X3 so much?" One of the big parts is I liked how um, you could like have, they had like the X hunters in that game, and you would fight them. But if you fought them using their weakness when they showed up, you would destroy them. Whereas if you fought them with your normal gun, they would run away. You have to fight them later. Uh, and what this did was it changed the entire final level. Because it remixed it. Like, now this section that was originally just kind of normal, now it's flooded. And now you're, like, jumping in the water with these floating platforms. Before, you just were running around. And now this was originally the boss of a, com- a combination of bit and bite, but they're dead now. So now it's a whole new boss that wasn't there before. Like, these were cool things that I thought made that game awesome. It was like the variability of the gameplay run. But it still sucked because I knew that bit and bite were going to start showing up in levels <laughs> and I got to be aware of that and I want to fight them or not. It just, it annoyed me. Um, but I still love X3 to death. Um, also, I loved that this is like the game I played in school, like back when Computer Shop was a thing and I snuck a PC com disc in and was oh. playing this on the shop computers on the keyboard. Yeah, what did I play in that class? I played, I mean, everyone played Doom. Of course, yeah, Doom. Wolfenstein. And I played. It was a Home Alone, like a PC Home Alone game. Really that was terrible. <laughs> I probably had some Jake. I don't know why that sticks out of my mind. Yeah. All right, we should keep going. What's what's your final track? <laughs> this comes from Mega Man. Let me stop. Um, so this comes from the game Mario Party Superstars, um, the Spaceland theme, but remastered for that game. This was on the Nintendo Switch, composed by Masayoshi Ishii, Toshiki Ida, and Satoshi Okubo.
welcome back. You're listening to Spaceland, the remastered version from the game Mario Party Superstars on the Nintendo Switch, composed by Masayoshi Ishii, Toshiki Aida, and Satoshi Okubo. So, Mario Party has a... I have a long-storied history with the Mario Party franchise. It's a sad one, but also a good one. In that, um... So, when the game first came out, the original Mario Party, I remember going to the store to buy a completely unrelated game, seeing this on the shelf and wondering, what the heck is a Mario Party? It's a board game? <laughs> what is a Mario Party? Like, they're just running out of ideas at Nintendo. And furthermore, it was a digital board game, which at the time wasn't a thing. Because um, Sonic Shuffle did not exist. That was ba- that was released to capitalize on how popular Mario Party became. Um, but I bought it out of curiosity. Like, what the heck is this? I want to find out. And I took it back to my college dorm room. What? Um, and the game became an instant hit in the dorm. Like, there was always people there to play matches. Lots of taunting, lots of screaming. We had Steve. We had Mike. We had other Mike. We had Tom Quo, who was my next door neighbor, who would just go, whoa, all the time because he loved hearing Toad's voice through his wall. <laughs> crazy. We had John, and we had Scott, Dave. Tim, there's a lot of people who just would come and play this game. Chris, I'm just naming college people. And, like, we would play to death. Like, ad nauseum, this in Smash Bros. was a thing. And I loved the game. Mario Party 2, even just as much. Like, that was my second year of college. And, it, unfortunately, the dorm room shift had changed a bit. But I still had people that would come and play Mario Party. All right. And uh, so an, even if you moved dorms. Excuse me, I got really loud there. So even if you moved dorms, people would still find you to play Mario Party. They found me to yeah. play Mario Party because I was the game guy. Like, I had all the games on campus. And then after I left college, unfortunately, that was my link in access to regular multiplayer access. And what ended up happening was I continued to buy the Mario Party games because I was already well inundated with the franchise. But just never really got to play them. Like, there are actual Mario Party games from, like, let's GameCube up, where I bought them on release mm-hmm. and haven't even played all the boards on them be- and see all the mini games because I just don't get enough people to play them. So they just kind of collected dust. Yeah. And, so, and even then, like if you get the people to play them, like you got to play them over and over again to unlock all that stuff. Oh yeah, but yeah. they're so fun you don't care. Like you want to play them over and over again and to have new matches, you know, and see what mini games exist. Last Mario Party I ever played was with you, maybe Matt Waldron, and there was. There was these little, like, like little, little, um, like balls that came out of a thing's mouth. Oh, Mario Party Five. That was, a, was that was a, the capsules. Capsules. Capsule. That was the last one we played. I, I mean, that's one I ever played. It was five. Yeah, Mario Party Five. And at this point, they're up to like Mario Party essentially eleven because mm-hmm. it's not numbered eleven, but they have Mario Party Superstars, which is this one, and it was like a sort of best hits game. There was ten numbered Mario Party games. Uh, Mario Party E. Um, Mario Party DS, right. Mario Party. Actually, yeah, there we go. Mario Party Star Rush, Mario Star Party. Rush. What was that weird island one they did? I have it at home. But I don't remember the name of it. Those Mario. are still shrink wrapped, by the way. The Mario Party Island Jam. That might be. That, imagine like these like mint condition shrink wrap things like twenty years from now, like worth like a ton of money. Honestly, I have a yeah. couple things like that yeah. at home right now. Magic Knight Rare, just look it up. <laughs> That's probably my most valuable game that this I can a, think of. This is a good try. This this sounds like modern Mario to me. It's such a good yeah. level, too. You're in space. Because in Mario Party 2, the big gimmick was that every level was like a, had a different 
theme, and all the characters dressed for the part. So in Spaceland, <laughs> everybody had astronaut outfits on. Oh, that's cute. There was a big space laser that fired across the board, and if you were in the middle of the, if you were in the line of sight, it chased you off the board. It was like zap, zap, zap. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. just such a good game. Like I, there's a again going back to like we were talking about before about just certain things that a game kind of encapsulated. Mega Man X brought about the whole gun run the dashing running gun style. Not running gun, but the dashing running gun. Yeah. Um Mario Party, to me, even though other games did it, Mario Party cemented the backstab your friends <laughs> when convenient mechanism. Yes, when convenient for you. Just take them out. You had two v two mini games, and for that moment, you're like, "Yo, man, let's work together. We gotta beat those guys." Or, or you were Pernell. He's like, "You know what? I don't want you to have any money, so I'm gonna throw the match." Exactly. Like just stuff like that. Like you would have wow. these moments, and then when it was it's time for someone to call a boo and steal a star, you're pleading your case. Hey, man, come on. You don't want to steal from me. I'm your boy. We worked. We went way back to that mini game. Three game, three rounds ago. Remember that? We rode that boat. Sorry, Mark. This is Mario Party. For <laughs> Sorry, for no. This is Mario Party. friends of Mario Party. <laughs> right, I'm going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. Bonus round. The bonus round. <laughs> the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme, and this is one composer that deserves to be in a good place almost more than anybody else, and that is Hideki Nakanuma. Oh, man. Yes. This is from Jet Set Radio. Family guy, Funky Beats. Funky Beats. This is Sneak Man from Jet Set Radio, remixed by the Mothership Loudspeakers. Speakers. Well, it's got a Z at the end.
life away temporary goddamn high which will last fucking you know, a week or so until it goes away people think it's almost the biggest goddamn meme on the planet Spinning is the most degenerate act man has ever come up with from Jet Set Radio, composed by Hideki Naganuma, and then remixed by the Mothership Loudspeakers, which I think I played on the show before. They did something else. Maybe it was something else Jet Set Radio related, but it was, uh, it's just, that was a really, really good remix. Just They took all of the samples, all of the fun, and just sort of amped it up a little bit more. It's a bop. Yeah. This is a legitimate bop. Super good. I I God, freaking Jet Set Radio. We were talking earlier about music that defined a sound, yeah. like a, per, a personal sound. Jet Set Radio did so much of that. Hideki Naganuma, Guitar Vader. Mm. Uh, eventually, on the future, they had freaking Chibo Mato. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the first Jet Set Radio is one of those the first soundtracks that I just I had in my car all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bef- like I had like. The, the CD player like stuck together to, like I don't know like the aux cable into the tape port in my car and then Biss like yeah I don't want to go too much in that because this is about Hideki um but like no that- no, no, no he's he's a weirdo on Twitter we can talk about someone else. <laughs> 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 no, like uh I bought an Xbox original model and in Je- Jet Set Radio feature. Because of Biss, mm-hmm. not even because of the game, though the game is really good. I bought it because I was I was obsessed with Statement of Intent yeah. by Biss. That's a good song. And then I ended up grabbing all the music. This was back when you know Napster existed, but also Biss was an international band, mm-hmm. so I couldn't just like go to Sam Goody and grab a Biss. I've got Sam Goody. I couldn't just go to a Sam Goody and pick <laughs> up a Biss Goody. album. Um, so I was just like, well, I'm just going to Napster it up. And I was just finding weird variations of like tracks they put out. Like sometimes it was like like studio cuts. And I was just like obsessed with their music. And that was where I kind of got obsessed with 
Actually, this is well-timed, actually, too, because this was around the same time of Pop and 8. So, like, the whole, like, young pop, young pop punk, yeah, like, yeah. like your Euro pop punk style that was coming out, I became obsessed with all that. And I got into the band Sleeper, and uh, Jesus crap, just... I had I still have discs at home that I burned back in Ooh. 2002 or whatever. I have to find it. There's I have a disc that it says it's a it's a mixtape that a mix CD that you made for me. It's called the P Mix Volume Two. Yes, so I gotta was, find it. It's your handwriting. It's in cursive. Cause I, I gotta find it. I'll, I'll post it on our Facebook. It's really cool. <laughs> like these are the songs that Purdue put on. There's some good stuff. I I I, I mean I. I th- I'm not sure if you red booked it or if it's just the MP3s on there. I think it's just red booked to play in the car. So I don't know if there's any track names. So you have to tell me what they are. I can definitely do that. But like, it's just, so, I mean, it. this sent me down a rabbit hole. The Jet Set Radio OSTs, along with, like you said, pop music, sent me down a rabbit hole. Because again, Sibo Mato. Now, I will admit, it did help that my walls were already broken down a bit. Because I watched anime and liked openings and closings, and I was at this at this was at the point where I wasn't ashamed of letting people know, yeah, listen to music that I can't understand. It's cool, right? Right. So there's our the floodgates were open to different styles, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And you think back on it too, like I've had this chat with people in the past when it comes to music. When I was in high school and all that, I didn't have a style of music. I listened to what my friends listened to. And uh, what my dad listened to or what my brother listened to. And when I finally went out and bought my first CDs, I bought, I, I'm not even making this up. I pretty much bought albums that I believed I was supposed to want. Ooh, yeah. So it was like, I didn't really have a style. It didn't come till later. But when it did, it was great. <laughs> I think it's a, it takes some time for, for people to develop, not develop their own taste, but to discover their taste. Mm-hmm. And for, I've, I've read somewhere it's like really common. It's like fourteen, fifteen is like when it starts to happen. When you develop your own personal musical yeah, taste, yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of makes sense. That's when I feel like I got really into grunge rock, like the ninety four, ninety five, like right around there. The funny thing with grunge rock was that I I used to hate it, but now I like it. So to put in perspective, in uh, middle school, I guess it was earlier than ninety four, ninety five. It probably was like it had to be like the ninety. I'm gonna say ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, around that. Around that's when I really got into that. But it was yeah, it was like high school, like early high school, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. I got more into like the elect- electronic edge of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like like uh, what was it in uh, middle school? Our lunch cafeteria had a jukebox in it. Mm. Really? Yeah, they. I don't know why. It was like <laughs> the only school I've ever heard of that had a jukebox. Uh, yeah, in their cafeteria. that's that's so odd. What was on it? So I don't know what else was on there because all they kept playing was Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. <laughs> and I hated that song because I heard it at least two times a day and I wanted to beat my eardrums out. It was a horrible sounding song. And it makes me sad saying that now because I like the song, but middle school ruined it at the time. Oh. Um, but now I love Nirvana and the music they put out, including that song. Um, and it's funny to think about the fact that technically I was – predisposed to liking that but given the circumstances i grew to hate it temporarily right so but yeah I, i'm all about me some grunge i was at um, home depot last night because we were looking at paint for upstairs because mm-hmm. we still haven't decided on, on the color for the room and um but the home depot the one that's on miller road uh-huh the music they play in that store is different from any other store that i've ever like lowe's or home depot because they they have they, they just play like these like r&b 
and like old school hip hop hits that you don't hear anywhere else. Yeah, people break dancing down the aisle. So and good. Like, like half the ones I don't even I don't even recognize. And all of a sudden, like a TLC came on, and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like there it is. They made it feel good to be in that store. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I'm sure you can go into like a hardware store and hear like Ozzy Osbourne and be like, yeah, this is great. But no, I want to go into a hardware store and hear like Public Enemy. And like I'd be like, all right, <laughs> this is good. That sounds good. If I, I, admittedly though, if I went into a hardware store and heard hammering in my head, it would at least feel thematic. Mm. So I'd be okay with it. <laughs> as long as the music is thematic. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of another another song that's related to like saws or construction. <laughs> Reconstruct my heart. I don't know. That's probably a song that exists. I guess like the village people, there's a construction worker. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun to stay at the YMCA that I built. Driving home from work, I heard um, uh, men without hats, you know, doing the safety dance. Oh, But I mean, I'm imagining men with hard hats. (laughs) That's probably, honestly, don't fret. It might be a band. It's a much safer dance. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to be doing the safety dance. Also, that song is really good. For the safety dance? Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, one of those songs where if you if you took the fact that people made jokes about it out of the picture, yeah. it was a good song. I mean, YMCA was a good song, but right. society turned it into a joke. But it's a good song. Yeah, just on the radio, listening to it really carefully. I'm like, this is sounds really good. It sounds really, really good. You can have a good meal. <laughs> do whatever you feel. All right. I'm going to do you do what I feel, Pernell, which is play your play your bonus round track. <laughs> What's your bonus round track? This was kind of a cheat, but I'll get around to that when the recomer, we come back around. Um, this comes from the game Kid Chameleon. Ooh. This is a cover of the Woods Area theme, and it's done by Fictions.
really got like a, it's got like a Depeche Mode kind of vibe to it. Hey. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I was I was really surprised by this one to the point where well I put it on the show. <laughs> um, this is the Woods Area cover done for the game Kid Chameleon, originally released on the Sega Genesis, covered by Fictions. Uh, so there's a weird roundabout here because this started out with me saying what I want to have in the good place is Shining Force Two because as far as tactical RPGs go, that can play that game over and over again mm. like i've re- that's like one of the only like i think of where i've replayed it more than one time um and enjoyed it just as much um but i've already pretty much played every good track or every noteworthy track that i love from that game on this show so i didn't want to do that so the next thing i decided to do is like, okay um i can play this on the sonic ultimate genesis collection which for its time, and even now, it is probably the, one of the best game compilations in existence. And mm. it also made me realize that, oddly enough, Nintendo's never done a game compilation that came close to comparing with what they did with that. Oh, wow. For the Nintendo, like, for the Super Nintendo era, because that would have been the comparable one. Um, so, I was like, okay, well, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection has X games on it. What are some other really lo- beloved games on this collection that I would say I would totally play over and over again? And Kid Chameleon is definitely one such game. Um, it has a fair bit of replayability because of how the world structure breaks down. Because it's not a linear set of level progression. There's like weird yeah, warp there's, zones. There's and different stuff. exits from each level. They get to like it's, it reminds in a way it reminds me of, of the original Gauntlet, where there's different exits. Like one exit goes to the next level, but you'll find an exit that goes to level forty, and then that forty goes to thirty, and then thirty can go to ninety. That's a good reference because yeah. yeah, that's exactly how it is. Like some warp exits actually send you backwards, um, <laughs> yeah. depending on what it is. Like. This game is has always been really good for me. And honestly, I was saying to Rob earlier, this was the first game that I ever recorded myself playing with the intent being to show other people, look at that thing I did, which is also, for the record, why I've always liked the idea of like trophies and achievements, not the whole, look at the big number that showed up. It was literally the idea of being like, I did this thing, and I don't have to have you sit down and watch a VHS replay of me playing the game to show it. This is the actual thing saying it. Um, but I did that for this game. It took like two and a half or three hours of con of VHS recording. So clearly it was an um, EP mode. Um, but I recorded it and I had it on track until my brother taped over it with a basketball game. That was my next question. Is it still around? Is it still no, around? That'd be so amazing. Portions of it probably still are <laughs> if you open up the, the VHS tape. But now nah, my brother recorded over a good chunk of it with a basketball game. And then um, the next game I recorded was, of course, as you mentioned, I mentioned earlier in episode references, the Shining Wisdom Contest. So I was recording that over and over again. So, but yeah, Kid Chameleon is a fantastic game. Definitely a challenge, but not impossible. And there's a lot of meat to that potato. Yeah. Worth playing through, even in the present day. Yeah, that's something I should go. I think you played it at my house like uh, years ago. I think it was like on the the Genesis collections on the the 360. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I've never played this. So I, and I had a Genesis, and I love the Genesis. Just never played Kid Chameleon. It was a good. It was one of the ones where, like, I'm trying to remember how we ended up getting, because this is one of the physical cars we actually owned. And I know it involved a lot of begging. <laughs> I know that much. Um, but my mom did end up getting it. And it, I loved this game. Loved it so much. If you want to know more about the artist that appeared in this bonus round or more levels that exist in the game Kid Chameleon. Yeah, go to rhythmandpixels.com where we have links to their band camps and SoundClouds and where you can buy the music and support the artists.
joining us on episode 31-10, the end of season 31. Never thought we'd make it this far of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our Good Place Games starring Alien Syndrome at the very end of the show. <laughs> why, why, why Alien Syndrome? So originally, like it was always going to be Science Ultimate Genesis Collection because of the anecdote I told earlier. Mm. But before I settled on Kick and Million because I needed a good bonus round pick, this was going to be just a normal track in the episode being like Alien Syndrome is a game that I have fond memories of. I like playing it. It exists in Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. Also alongside Shining Force 2. Da-da-da. I uh, uh, can do it. Um, also, it's just a good excuse to get Alien Syndrome on the show because I don't think I've ever played a track Yeah, I don't think game. you've ever played it. Yeah, this is one of my favorite arcade games. I've really, really loved playing this. I used to play this at a bowling alley. Silverside Lanes. Ah. You ever been there? I remember that. Yeah. I don't think it's there anymore, though, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like it's old. Oh, oh, no. I can only think of two bowling alleys, and no, three bowling alleys, and they're pretty far away. So It's a shame. Bowling as a sport still very much thrives, but not so much locally. I think it was torn down for where the Circuit City used to be, which is no longer there. I don't know what's there right now. Ashley Furniture. Furniture store. Really? Yeah, because apparently people can't stop sitting on things. <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is a really good episode. Um so next week, I think we're going to either hit the topic for the Patreon show or something different. What do you think? Um, well, we still have the special episode topic available. So it's either that one or our version of the Patreon episode. Yeah. E- either way. Either way. Um, if you're listening to this episode, March 31st at 7.30 p.m. is going to be our live streamed Patreon exclusive episode. So you can join us for Friendship Foundations or Friendship Fishers. That's right. Friendships that have been built and destroyed in video games. Please send us your track suggestions. And anecdotes. They're very important. I want to hear the stories. I I think we'll get some stories. Um, And you can let us know about all of that. Or if you have another track suggestion or even another topic suggestion, the best way to do that is over email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And then if you want a full track listing from this episode and from all of our episodes and access to all of our episodes, go to the website, rhythmandpixels.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We're just in all of those places. We also have a 24-7, 8-bit and 16-bit music station, uh, uh, radio station on YouTube. It's at youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels. It's back online. It was off for a while as I was moving things around, but it's it's back online and better than ever. (laughs) Now with beats and Booms and well, blips. I updated all of the NES music to sound a little cleaner and louder, and then I added a bunch of more NES music to it. It's got so much more music on it now, and it's got some voiceovers, a new uh, a new commercial voiceover from one of your friends. Oh, nice! So that's on there now. So it's for the his store called Super Game Station. Super Game Station. So thank you very much for that. And for the record, his, it is a legitimately good store, quality store, and is run by a guy who knows his stuff, not like some corporate person who's just like people like games I can make money on well I think I think if you find a game store that's not a GameStop it's owned it's owned by someone who who is obsessed with it who's in the culture he loves the stuff right? that is yeah, true yeah. Um, and if you want if you like the show and you like what you're hearing and you want to support the show you could uh, tell people about it you could subscribe to the show on, on whatever platform you're listening to or you can leave a review or you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels and as a member, you get access to exclusive content, such as the live streamed episodes every month. You get access to cool stuff like stickers and mugs. I think mugs are on there. And some uh, exclusive t-shirts are available in the Rhythm and Pixels Patreon. 
So it's patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. You can also go to um, rhythmandpixels.com slash merch where we have some cool t-shirts and hoodies that you can get. Pernell just picked up a Falcom sound team hoodie. Finally, and it's red, so it's running that Adol the Red look. Oh, is that why you got the red? That's right. It's really, really good. I wear that at the gym all the time. So you catch me on the treadmill repping Falcom. See, that's the thing. I don't know if I want to wear it at the gym, though, because I don't sweat all over it. Yeah, that's why I bought it, honestly. <laughs> so I can sweat it all over it. it cleans out, like, no issues. Okay, like okay. If you've bought a T-shirt or a hoodie and you're going to wash it, turn it inside out. There it is. And you can throw it in the dryer. I, re- I recommend putting on low heat. Tumble or dry low. Yeah, tumble dry low. It's just the, the logos. I mean, maybe it's just the test pressings that we get, but the logos don't always last. My, My lobster racing is done. My lobster racing is done. To, I don't know what it is with that logo or that image. It's just destroyed. But my Run VGM shirt's fine. Likewise. My, S, my SNK shirt, I sleep in every night. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff is okay. For some reason, it's that one. I don't know why. But yeah, that, that little PSA there. <laughs> turn your turn your clothes inside out and wash them that way. Because that's not the part just that, for our stuff. Just do it for normal clothes T-shirts too. That's the part that's touching your skin. So go ahead and clean that part of your, of your, of your clothes. <laughs> um, and at the end of every episode, we like to thank all of our Patreon members um, who are at the highest levels of our Patreon. And we have a new member. We want to thank Jeff, 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 aka Try Jeff, the Try Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, the Jeff, the Jeff, the Try Jeff. For very much for supporting our show. We, we really appreciate that. We always like seeing new Patreon members. So first and foremost, we want to thank Frankly Zappa, the number one, still has not given me a name, <laughs> uh, Kristen, GameFan44, uh, uh, Mike Myers, Alf Person, Fashion8060, we have Alex the Messenger from uh, host of AVGM Journey, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast. They just, they just released an episode on Bruce Lee. Ooh, it's pretty cool. Check that out. Uh, Chris Tinerson. Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219, a.k.a. The, the Wise Guy. The Wise Guy. Uh, Christopher Sendstrom, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, Jeff Maziota, Jeff, 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 uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, which, ooh, we got to report something for them on Sunday, right? Yeah, we got to figure that out because I know my pop's birthday is that day. But, we, but <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I got to think of like, I want to do nothing. I'm a grumpy old man. But it's at 8 p.m. It should be quick. It's anyway. at 8 p.m.? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, in, the, uh, it's in the nights. Right now, <laughs> night things. Uh, so uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio. Also of um, Arcane... Arcane something with with Ed Wilson. They do like a industrial music mm-hmm. show together. Arcane, Arcane. I'm not looking at it just because it'd be kind of interesting to be like, how could you do this with shoe games? <laughs> yeah, that's Omni. Or with Britpop. I'm, yeah, I'm curious what their format's like. So I want to check that out. Uh, Michael Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Doctor Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast. Michael Jennings, Rage Cage from the VG Emporium podcast. Reinhard Selkova, Romancing Sagat. I love that name. Uh, Sleepy S'more. One tiger knee you don't want to dodge. (laughs) Steve Miller, Taco, and Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy Podcast. Thank you so, so much, all of you, for your continued support of our little show. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Stand by the thought. If there's something you're like, hey, there's something you guys could do, let us know. Yeah, Because you really do appreciate it. You do support us. We love you for it. And so we're just doing this because we think it's fun and we like hanging out with you guys every week and in the Discord. But sometimes it's just like, is there anything they want from us? Oh, there is a Discord. If, if you're interested in getting, if you've listened this far and you want, you want to chat with us, uh, it's on our website, rhythmandpixels.com. It's at the top of the top menu bar. It just says Discord. Click that. That'll get you in. 
And then we'll, you'll be greeted with lots of memes. We'll say hi. <laughs> uh, everyone's very cool in there. I'll admit I've been a little lax because right now the game of choice has been Elden Ring. Oh, I've yeah. been addicted, addicted, addicted to Elden I, I Ring. I think the, 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 the Shimigami Tensei channel needs to get changed to Elden Ring. <laughs> it might need to. I mean, I'm still playing Mega Ten Five. I'm going back to it, but Elden Ring has been the sweet potatoes as of late. Love that game. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the show. We'll see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a good day. And remember, so this is an interesting topic for the show, so I guess it kind of leads into the actual and remember being that if you are the type to support, believe in the afterlife and the good place and such, what I will say is, like, do your part to make sure you find your way there. But in the meantime, you're still here. Don't wait till the good place to get access to good games and good times with your good friends. Live up the time you got on Earth now because, you know, you want to enjoy your time here and make the most of it because you don't know what's going on. We believe we don't know. So in the meantime, enjoy what you got while you got it here as well. Hang out with us. Um, and if you don't believe in the good place or anything like that, definitely enjoy your time here because you only get one potentially. So make it count. Play the good games. Also being aware that, of course, there's no time for everything. There's more good games than a human can possibly engage in this day and age. All the more reason to have other people play the games and tell you about them so you can vicariously get the experience you don't have time to have. Um, just have fun with your time. Put it to good use.